Hello, welcome to another Social Dad podcast. Today I'm talking to Bisma, an on-air expert on the Marilyn Dennis show here in Canada. And four days ago, she launched a new clothing line for kids, um, which is a genderless clothing line, which makes perfect sense. And the stuff she's got is absolutely incredible. She'll tell us more about that, as well as her other projects, including some delicious sounding cupcakes. And she shares some really, really good tips on what you can do to launch your side hustle or an entrepreneurial project. Bisma, hello. Hi, James. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you doing? Great, thanks. Excited to be on today. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, we found the time to connect at such short notice. Absolutely. That's the beauty of social media right now, especially in a time like this. It is, especially when uh, I didn't have any meetings over lunchtime, so it was a <laughs> nice that. treat. Yeah. So uh, tell us about yourself. So you're a serial entrepreneur. Let's start with that. I am. I have been an entrepreneur since the age of 20. I started my first company when I was in university that was a dessert and event planning company. Like most of my companies, as you'll learn, it was a passion that turned into a business, and I was able to take advantage of a really great time in the market um, in you know, 2010, 2011, cupcakes were all the rage, and I was really able to harness that popularity and turn it into a viable business. Um, but with most of my companies, obviously, it comes from a need. At the time, I found that there weren't a lot of you know dessert companies or even bakeries that really got the true formula of a cupcake correctly. And I was that girl that would travel, and wherever I would go, I would try cupcakes and desserts from all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I was in Australia for the summer, stumbled upon this cute little cupcake shop in the middle of downtown Sydney, tried a cupcake that looked delicious, and unfortunately, it was probably one of the worst I had ever tasted. Oh, no. I know. And it was it was in that moment that I truly realized, you know, oh, my goodness, my cupcakes are so much better than this. It was truly the perfect mix of the cupcake looked amazing and the cupcake tasted amazing. And I was in the so middle what, of business school. <laughs> what makes a cupcake amazing? You know what? To me, I think that it's the perfect ratio between cupcake and frosting. Uh -huh. I also think it's important that the frosting is not too sweet yeah. and that the cupcake in itself, so the sponge of the cake, is fluffy and moist. The perfect combination of the two. Hmm. Interesting. I like that there's a sort of science behind it because I'm not like, I don't know, I've had a lot of cupcakes and they're okay. Like sometimes you get one and think, oh, it was really good, but... You've never been wowed by a cupcake yet? No, not really. Okay, well, I'll be sending some over. <laughs> Thank you. That was my hint. <laughs> um, um, and so you were in business school. And so so did you swap to something else or did you sort of lean into that? No, I continued with business school. Um, the The baking side of it and the event planning, that more so came naturally. I'm, I didn't attend pastry school. Um, I have no professional or rather academic experience in the culinary arts. Mm -hmm. But it was a passion that I had that I was able to refine with, you know, a ton of feedback, a lot of trial and error, a lot of self-testing, I must say. Fair and enough. the business uh, degree gave me the background that I needed to be able to create and sustain a viable business. Right. Okay. And then, so how did you um, take your cupcake idea from an idea to, to making money? 
To be honest, it was quite simple. I started off baking a bunch of test batches and giving them to everyone I could possibly find. I gave them to neighbors, family, friends, uh, my my alumni network at the time from my private school. I would set up tastings with, you know, restaurants and chefs just for the chance for them to try my desserts and, and hopefully carry them in restaurants. So mm-hmm. at the beginning, it was a lot of very amateur door to door style marketing, although obviously I wasn't going door to door. But it was a matter of using my personal network and leveraging that and getting the feedback to really create the best product that I I could. And from there, people started ordering. Um, I remember at the beginning, obviously, my my prices were a lot lower and my cupcakes compared to what they are now, I'm almost embarrassed of. <laughs> and um, I used to offer free delivery to my local area and that really got the got the word out there. And then the quality and the and the taste of the product spoke for itself. And that's what really kept the business continuing to come in. Um, and then I find that I kind of I hit a plateau at one point. And every business owner will see this. Sales are great. Everything is going really well. You're popular. And then you kind of hit a little bit of a plateau. So it was in that moment, I decided that I needed to do things a little bit differently, which was two things. One, I started, uh, my business started as a home-based business. And then I, as I built the business up, was able to do pop-ups and retail locations. But at the time, I found that I would love to be able to take this business and make it mobile. So I actually started the first cupcake food truck in Canada called the Cupcake Truck and really started to be able to take my cupcakes wherever I needed to go. That's really smart. Um, I love, I always think that there's not enough mobile bakeries, but also um, mobile coffee shops. Oh, agreed. A hundred percent. There needs to be more. And it's always and, when I'm out and like I'm at, I don't know, my, my kid's school park or something. And I'm like, oh, I really want to call. And it's, uh, it's like nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. I don't want to be out of bed. And yet here I am. <laughs> here you are. And, That's and I want I want someone to roll up and say, does anyone want a, a cup of coffee or a cupcake? And I remember the joy I, well, I still get from an ice cream truck. And I just wondered, where is the adult version of this? Exactly. Do you have a, a little like ringtone thing that? <laughs> yes, I do. I do have a little of the little bell that chimes a little bit more distinct from the from an ice cream truck. But uh, people definitely know that I'm there. I've also used social media a lot, um, especially when advertising my roots and where I'm going to be at any given day. And mm-hmm. at the height of the summer, when we are able to display our location in advance, we will have a lineup of people waiting for us ready to go at that location. Nice. That's yeah, I think that that's another key thing. And with the ice cream truck, you always sort of, you just hope that one day, you know, I can't remember riding around my little village in the English countryside and I would always have a few pounds of money in, in my little backpack or something, just in case you can hear on the wind, the ice cream truck chimes thing, where is he? And I'm racing around the village trying to find the ice cream truck. If only those ice cream trucks had a GPS on them that we could track. <laughs> yeah, right. That was always my like my my wish for when I was when I was a grown up is to have uh, GPS enabled um, ice cream trucks, and you could have an app and you could tell which one was closer, and there'd be loads all around, like um, sort of Amazon delivery 
drone thingies, but with ice cream trucks. I anyway, love that idea. I think you should create that app. <laughs> I think I should too. I think you should. Though I have no that's, skill. That's, your um, next that's okay. <laughs> no skill, no time, little ambition. Um, so you're a serial entrepreneur. So what's next? So what's next? That's a great question. I mean, so as I was working on the dessert company, I I realized that this was wonderful and it was great, but it wasn't intellectually stimulating enough for me. I, I needed more. And I was in my final year of business school. Um, just a small tangent. I had a very bad head injury when I was in my um, first year of university. And unfortunately, I fractured my skull and I had to go on medical leave for a little bit. In that time, I ended up getting temporarily kicked out of business school because um, our semester matched up with a co-op system. Mm -hmm. So um, in order to get back into the business school at at my correct timing for my semester, I had to take uh, another semester in a different uh, cohort or in a different degree. So I chose communication studies and I ended up loving it so much that I actually ended up graduating with a double degree. So I have my business degree and I have my communications degree. Wow. And in that, it really stemmed my my love for media and PR and communications in general. So in addition to the business degree and all the skills that I was learning there, I the last term of uh, my graduating year of my communications degree, I founded my image consulting and branding firm. So my business concentration was in marketing, and then I was using everything I was learning from my communications degree to really supplement that education and get those real life skills. And I founded my first consulting firm. And at first, I just I, I looked around me and I realized that people had the potential to be great. They just didn't know how to get there. So I branded myself as the only lifestylist in the world, and I helped people and styled every aspect of their lives to become the best versions of themselves. So everything from fitness, finance, fashion, everything in between. Even if I didn't cover it, I was subcontracting individuals like personal trainers, like therapists, like financial managers who would give my clients that total um, life makeover, for lack of a better word. And then I realized this is great, but companies also need this. I was walking into storefronts and I and I realized that, you know, the staff wasn't as attentive or styled as they need to be, um, that the flow of these stores was not optimal for their customer experience and all of the values that were very high up in corporate strategy were not being communicated down to their front line. So I was the person who came in and fixed that. I worked with American Express. I worked with Cineplex on their rollout of their VIP theaters. And it was all of the larger scale contracts that I had that were able to pay for the smaller pro bono contracts of personal clients that I was able to help. Um, And with that, it kind of just, it grew into various iterations of other businesses, me investing in some of my clients' business, helping them launch their own. And Eventually, it led me to where I am now. I am a um, TV dessert and entertainment expert uh, for the Maryland Dennis Show and also just launched a kid's clothing line. That was a perfect segue. Um, So why kid's clothing? Why kid's clothing? That is a question that since I launched a week ago, I have been getting quite a bit of. Um, And the answer, honestly, is quite simple. I always knew that I would be in the fashion space in in some capacity. Um, When I started off in business school, I wanted to be VP of marketing for a major fashion house, like a Louis Vuitton or something of the like. And obviously the dessert company and everything kind of took me away from that a little bit in a good direction. But I knew that I always wanted to have a future in fashion. 
Now, the problem with that, especially right now, is that I don't feel like I have business being in the space that I cannot cater to completely. And issues like sizing challenges, for example, companies are notorious for not being able to provide sizing that caters to all body types. And that was one of the reasons that I chose kids clothing. One, it was fairly standardized sizing, kind of before that age of puberty, when your body starts changing, I was able Mm -hmm. to standardize sizing. And the second thing was, from a financial perspective, kids are constantly growing. And they are constantly growing out of their clothing, which means I have a lifelong or rather a long term repeat customer. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And so one of the the sort of the first thing I noticed about your brand and and it's it's beautiful, by the way, is that it's um, there's no gender assigned to male or female or non-binary clothes correct that was something that was really important to me um, not only for my own personal beliefs in you know differentiating gender versus sex but also about gender being a social construct I remember there was a viral video that um, that surfaced a few years ago of this little girl getting very upset in Target and she was looking at clothing she was about five or six years old and all of her t-shirts were pink and sparkly and said Mm -hmm. things like you know call me or just very very generic messages and she was looking at the boys clothing at that age and it said you know you can conquer the world reach for the stars and this this little girl was getting visually upset why are Mm -hmm. these messages available in her clothing why is it that just because she's a girl these types of encouraging messages are not there for her and I think that's part of the problem so when I was developing this line having it be gender neutral or gender free rather was so important to me because I don't believe that clothing should be styled differently or created differently based on this concept of you are a boy versus you are a girl. I also don't think it's fair to be assigning gender to children that young. That is something that they can decide when they truly understand what that means. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense, especially um, when, like you said before puberty, when their bodies are basically the same anyway. Exactly. Um, so... How do you feel about um, assigning genders to kids? Um, I mean, I mean, this is this is a a conversation starter that's fraught with um, issues and and stumbling blocks. Of course, and I definitely think it's an it it will be an incomplete conversation. Um, yeah. I do feel that so. This kind of goes back into the dessert, uh, the dessert playing company. I got asked to do a lot of gender reveal cakes. And okay. what bugged me about those, eventually I stopped doing them, but what bugged me about them at the beginning was that, first of all, gender was being assigned a color, like blue versus pink. That yeah. really irritated me um, mm-hmm. because a color is a color and I don't feel like it should be assigned to any one thing. And the second thing was that because I do believe that gender is a social construct, it's very different than the sex of your child. I felt like parents, even before the child was born, were automatically assigning these types of assumptions. And that's the thing. It's not its not of the parents' volition. It's our societal norms that are telling us that this is what a, a young boy or a older boy or a teenage boy is supposed to be. These are the types of things they should like. These are the types of... Um, abilities they should have versus what a girl can and should have. 
And I feel like if we just level the playing field from the very beginning, a lot of the opportunities that young girls or young females feel like they may not have the opportunity to grasp, I think a lot of those will be newly available to them. Because again, we're leveling the playing field. And if we're leveling the playing field from the very beginning, from when they're born to the way we speak to them, to the to the opportunities we provide them, to the sports and the the arts that we really showcase and and provide those opportunities for the for these kids, I think you'll start to see a lot more equality and equity from a younger age. And you won't have, you know, little girls crying in Target because they don't they can't find shirts with encouraging messages on them. I love that. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. Like thinking about it, my my daughter, um, she she always says like pink is her favorite color, and then mm-hmm. she asks me what kind of color I like, and I'm like, well, I like pink too. And then she has a discussion, and it's sort of, but you can't like pink; it's a girl's color. And then I have to explain to her like she's not that interested in my fun facts about how pink used to be a boy's color until um, catalogs decided that um post i think the second world war yeah. it should be a girl's color and, and blue which used to be a girl's color is now a boy's color um she's not interested in that yeah. she doesn't get it but so i have to actively wear pink stuff to show her that anyone can wear pink or anyone can wear blue and um and like we go out and we play soccer and and stuff just to sort of try and get that um Kind of illusion bridge that, bridge that gender gap a little bit yeah and i don't even know where it came from because she's only five so it must be what she's like the kids she's playing with at school or um or i don't know the tv shows she's she's watching mm-hmm. um but that's the thing it's so hard and i and i applaud you for taking those very active steps to show her that you know men can wear pink and i think that all the, the conversation has to start from home. Our children have to have these oh, models and this community around them because unfortunately society has not caught up to where it quote should be. Um, and the shows that she's probably watching and the friends that she's talking to and the, and all the marketing she sees around her is telling her mm-hmm. differently. And that's yeah. really hard for a kid to see. I know when I was, um, when I was doing the photo shoot for Lennon, I specifically put one of our, our young male models in the pink oversized sweater and he, yeah the star of that garment piece because I wanted to show this is not this color or this garment is not just for girls. And it looks great on him. I, 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 I'm I looking at the picture with the ripped jeans and stuff. Like I'd wear that. It was cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting and, and there's a whole bunch of social sort of constructs that I think as a, as a time and a sort of generation, we, we have to, break past even before the the kids learn that that used to be the way or is the way or or what's right and wrong i mean in our previous house we had the incredible opportunity to be um living next door to someone who transitioned um to i guess being the female they always were i mean again i'm being very careful to to not step on toes here but um and so our neighbor could like we could explain to our neighbor how she um has now become the the person that she always was Mm -hmm. even though she looked different um and that was that was great because it it was a conversation starter that perhaps 
we would have had difficulty um, explaining because it's a it's a difficult subject unless you're using dolls and you you know dress one up as another and say before they they were forced to wear boy clothes but now they get to wear girl clothes because they feel like a girl and whatever else um so so that was fantastic and you know she's genuinely one of the kindest person like we used to share gardening plants and all the blueberries oh it was great like she was incredible at growing tomatoes like i couldn't do it but she some i don't know anyway um but uh yeah so that was that was a really good opportunity and so um i think those kinds of things need to be embraced um and it, it it once it sort of it's become completely normalized which in some um places are and some places it, it really isn't like in, in other countries in it's other countries okay. it will take so time. Far behind. it will take time and it'll take it'll take honestly companies like mine who are willing to to make the stand and make that differentiation but i find that you know as passionate as i am and as we are about this topic there will be other people who will vehemently agree with me and and that's okay and for those people i say you know what think of it as an advantage now when you know your your daughter grows out of these clothing these clothing items that you bought for her she can pass mm-hmm. them down to her younger brother yeah right so even if you don't want to want to to bring in the gender aspect of it um or rather the gender free aspect of it you can look at it from a sustainability perspective and say okay now i'm not wasting clothing now now i can hand down these clothing uh, mm-hmm. items from you know one child to another um which is actually kind of what stemmed our trade-in program yeah yeah that's really nice and i think the sort of the key thing even past the gender thing is the quality and if it is something like a jacket or a sweater or something that's going to last for um age group pass it down another age group pass it down another age group um those things are are amazing because it gets rid of the fast fashion where they like you get in the shops where they have silly novelty things Mm -hmm. like you go girl and or dinosaurs or whatever and it goes past that and they always look good like they're completely like stylish and they're never going to get any comments from other kids saying hey you're wearing yeah, a- that they're out of fashion that was that was really yeah. important so we we also really wanted to create a capsule collection so the if you are on our instagram you'll see the the wording or the language a lot that we are a capsule collection of timeless pieces that combat the waste of fast fashion and when purchased together every single piece matches the other to create a complete and sustainable wardrobe for your child so again eliminating you know the waste being mindful of our sustainability and mm-hmm. these pieces, again, all match together because kids grow so quickly, yeah. right? You're constantly replacing clothing for them. So wouldn't it be nice if all the pieces already matched? And then, you know, when you're done with them, when you're done passing them down, you can trade them back into us and, and get a discount and, you know, we'll sustainably recycle them for you. It's kind of the best of everything. I really like that. I think um, more and more brands should be doing that. I know uh, I've got a local friend who's started to design clothes and, and there's a uh, a trade-in option mm-hmm. and i think that's so important um we can't be throwing away stuff the speed that we are at the moment no or have been we can't unfortunately we can't and i think that as much as we need to talk about you know businesses and businesses thriving and succeeding we need to see what is happening to those pieces or those garments or that tech once we are done with them and that's a huge, the sustainability is a huge part of the conversation because, you know, it, it's great that we have all of these innovators um, and, and these entrepreneurs who want to create products that solve solutions. But then what happens when we're done with them? 
Exactly. So you've only launched this, did you say a week ago? Not even a week. It's been four days. <laughs> wow. Um, well, congratulations Thank on the you. launch. Um, why now? Why now? That's a great question. So as I mentioned with my consulting firm, I was really, especially last year, I was offering a lot of free consulting to not only small businesses, but also specifically BIPOC businesses. Um, I had, like most people, a, an awakening moment, a I need to check my privilege moment. And I realized that I was actively contributing to a system that was really benefiting me and, and not benefiting others. So I used my my talent and my skills to really give back to underserved communities. And I was offering through all of 20, uh, 2020, was offering free consulting to BIPOC businesses to help them not only launch their businesses, but also pivot if needed. And that took up obviously an incredible amount of energy. And I didn't have the time to devote to a new a new line or a new company for myself. So when things became a little bit quieter, and although I'm still consulting for all those companies, we're kind of in a good groove now. They've they've either scaled or they're able to run things on their own for the most part. So I thought, you know what, now's a really good time to do this. Um, I have a little bit more spare time on my hands. It's also, you know, we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic. I, I don't have to travel as much right now. Let's Let's launch this now. Now's the time. Yeah, I mean... Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so, would what advice would you have for for anyone else who's sort of starting to think about um, either opening a small business or uh, launching a similar project? That's a great question. I would say focus now more than ever on building your community. I. Uh, clothing is a little bit harder because, you know, clothing is a physical garment, but our values that went into creating our, clo our, our clothing are, are universal and are able to attract a community. So if you have a product or service that you are looking to launch, really focus on what community you are trying to be a part of or assist and reach out and start to build that community first while you're perfecting your product or your service. And then when you are ready and able, you have that community that has, has stood by you since day one, whether it be a week or a month or a year, and you're able to finally give them a product that you have all been waiting for together. So I would say community is everything. Again, these are it's not, it's not customers anymore, right? We're not thinking of a traditional brick and mortar retail sense where you have customers that you only meet a couple of times you may not even meet them yourselves. Now with social media, I'm talking to my potential customers or my community, right? If there's a customer service issue, I'm handling it. If someone is complimenting a garment, I'm seeing those and I'm able to engage directly with my community. And that is so important. So I would say community is everything. Um, and I would say, to be honest, know, know your limits and know when to ask for help. I have been told or labeled many times that I'm kind of a like a, a Jill of all trades, I get the comment like, Oh, what don't you do just because I'm in so many different sectors and industry, but mm -hmm. that those, those companies could not have survived, if I didn't know when to ask for help and when to reach out to people who knew how to do it better than I could. So surround yourself with proper mentorship. If you need help, ask for it, especially in today's world where social media is so accessible. If you see someone who you think could help you reach out to them yeah yeah definitely i mean um i love nothing more than, than helping people and, and i'm always asking 
peers and colleagues and even just random people who are doing an amazing job like on instagram say how did you do this like who do you, who should i talk to and they say oh yeah here's x y and z and i just mocked something up for you mm-hmm. and it's 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 incredible there's i think it feels like now more than ever people are willing to help more um whether that's a case of um general sort of camaraderie to push things forward or they see a sort of overwhelming need for um improving the world but you know how do you even start and then someone asks you a question and then you think oh well perhaps this is the way I can change things Mm -hmm. and I would encourage everyone I think a lot of people especially entrepreneurs will will doubt themselves or will doubt their product or their service thinking that you know this already exists or someone else has already done this but that's okay Sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to in, invent something that has has never been done before. Sometimes you just need to provide an alternative or do it better. So I would say that if if this is something that you want to do and are passionate about, move forward with it regardless. And what's the worst that can happen is it doesn't take off, it doesn't succeed. You know, we're lucky enough that we don't have to waste a ton of capital and make expensive mistakes before doing that. With social media again, we can test our market before we even launch. So take the risk, you know, now is the best time to be able to do something. And I think with COVID, people have realized the benefit of having multiple streams of income and financial security. And there's nothing better than a side hustle for something like that. Exactly. And I think anytime, like if you look back on your your life and you say, you know, I spent a year trying to make something work. um, I learned a lot, but ultimately it didn't, it didn't pan out. That's not a year wasted. That's a year that you spent doing something that you love until you didn't love it or until you just realized that, you know what, this isn't the way I'm going to do stuff. And then you go into something else. Exactly. And that's, that's a good way to spend time. Yeah, transferable skills for sure. You will always learn something from your mistakes and, and that's okay. You know, many people have, have struggled or quote unquote failed with companies only to create something so much better. Because again, mm-hmm. you have those life. Uh, those that life experience and you have those skills now to move forward yeah and you'll never know that something doesn't work without trying it and like really properly trying it not just sort of giving it a half thought <laughs> exactly like, oh, i could do this and then just not doing it um incredible so so where can people find you and your clothing so right now at day four of launch uh, <laughs> our yeah. uh, our e-store lennonforall.com is available we do ship worldwide um, and we do offer free shipping uh, to certain areas in Canada as well as the states. And within the next month or so, you should be able to see us at a few select retailers. But obviously, if you follow us uh, on our Instagram account at Lennon for All, you'll be able to keep up with those updates and see what retail stores we will be in. Fantastic. Well, best of luck and congratulations on the on the new line. Um, I followed you as soon as I noticed that you were following me, and I, I'm. I yeah the the stuff is is great and timeless and looks incredible so um you know props on that thank you I will send over some pieces and some cupcakes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not gonna say no to that (laughs) and if it's just cupcakes my daughter's got clothes but I need the I need the food um thank you Bisma I truly appreciate it perfect thank you for having me on today James okay bye-bye bye
Thanks again for listening to another Social Dad podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter. Just find me under James RCS, and I would love to have you on the show. Thanks very much.